welcome to 81 Points, where we talk about all things Lakers, hosted by two guys named Chris. Okay, we're back. Welcome to another episode of 81 Points, another special Friday edition. That's right. Happy Friday, TGIF. Happy Friday, everybody. Feeling good? Uh, it's a little bit warmer outside in L.A. than uh, in past weeks, but you know, we're... Still in fall season. Battling through the <laughs> adverse weather conditions out here in L.A. There's no such thing as adverse weather conditions. Well, if but... it's like... If, it's, if there's like a 10 degree difference in temperature, then... Yeah. Everyone tends to freak out about why is the weather acting so weird. Yeah, you know, uh, I everyone uh, everyone always touts that SoCal has the best weather in whatever in the world in the country or whatever. But um, I think for whatever reason, climate change, um, whatever, I'd probably have to say that SF weather is the best weather in California now. I prefer the Bay Area weather. Yeah. Also, I, mean, I think a lot of days. people do now. Especially because it's just so hot now in, in SoCal. It, I don't remember ever it being this consistently, almost unbearably hot some days, you know, during the summer. It's I mean, crazy. Yeah, I, well, you probably have never spent a summer in Arizona. And that's, no, yeah. That's unbearably hot. Wasn't well, Arizona summer or dry though? Yeah, but it's still like 110 degrees outside. And yeah, yeah. At yeah. night, it's like in the 90s. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, if you compare it to Arizona, that is true, but, you know, it's kind of like, people love to tout SoCal weather, and they always say it's 85, sunny, cool breeze every day, and it's not really 85 and sunny every day anymore, it's like, it's 85 degrees sunny and windy, or a cool breeze, like, I would say 70% of the year now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, it is getting a little bit warmer. Uh, that's why Bay Area weather, I think, I agree with you, is is by far. Yeah. My wife actually prefers here to the Bay Area. She's, she thinks it's she's too, Arizonian. She thinks it's too cold up there. <laughs> um, you know what they say? They say the, uh, the coldest day, the coldest, I'm going to butcher this saying, but it's like the coldest day to an LA person is... A summer day in san francisco or something like yeah that. yeah yeah um so it's a lot yeah. colder up there i prefer the colder weather and by colder i mean like in the 50s you know which is great yeah it's great for me but we're not here to talk about the weather we're here to <laughs> talk about nba basketball because it is getting tantalizingly close to the start of the nba season yeah and we're about two weeks out from game one, Lakers Clippers. And so today we're gonna do, I guess, a part one of our overall NBA season preview uh, episode today. Um, there's too much to talk about to all put it in one episode, so we're splitting it up into two. Because uh, there is a lot yeah, to talk about. There is a ton to talk about. We're definitely gonna get into NBA basketball, um, on the court NBA basketball, that is. Uh, but I feel like we should start by talking about the big story that's out that everyone's talking about right now, even outside of sports, is well, what's going on with China. That is true. I, I mean, I say we talk about that, but that's actually on my list. So it's on my list of top five NBA storylines. So we should cover that once because it's on my once we once we is it on your list? 
Oh, I kind of um, put it in its own category oh, okay, okay. because because okay, so or what the point of today's episode is? Because I know what you're I know what you're getting at. And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners are too. Well, yeah, I today's episode we're gonna talk about our top storylines to watch for uh, for this upcoming NBA season. Yeah, and all of my storylines are pretty much on the court related. Uh, the whole okay. China thing is a very much off the court, and it's a, more about you know the business of basketball. Yeah, even goes into politics and how that plays a role in the NBA and all that. So I wanted to start off talking hey, let's about do it. Let's China. Do it. Let's do it. Um, it's been out there for weeks now. You know, uh, it all this this whole shitstorm, uh, you know, was kicked off by somebody that let's just say i'm not i'm not the most fondest of this person but daryl morey himself you don't like him i mean he's he said some stupid things in the past I really like what is he i didn't know that what what is he what is what has he said well i think recently he said like james hart he alluded to james harden being like better than jordan or something like that uh, you know he's he has said stuff like that but yeah i mean that which has irked which has irked me personally <laughs> you know <laughs> But that's him, like, going to bat for his guy, though, right? Yeah, and he also gets into wars with people like Charles Barkley because he's he's very defensive about... He's an outspoken guy. He's defensive about his managerial style, I would say. Okay. Yeah, he's an outspoken guy. A very outspoken GM. But let me ask you, though. Would you you take him as as a Lakers GM? Um... That gives you pause, huh? It gives me pause. Because for me, in I my think, eyes... I'm sure, yeah, yeah. They, teams can do a lot worse than Daryl Morey, for sure. Yeah. I feel like in his eyes, he's up there with, like, Jerry West and, like, Greg Popovich, <laughs> which I don't know if that's true or not. And R.C. Buford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Daryl Morey, he put out a tweet about him, his pro-Hong Kong stance on what's going on, Mm -hmm. the situation that's going on with Hong Kong, China. Uh, I feel like to put everything into proper perspective, we need to understand what that whole relationship is between China and Hong Kong. Are you well-versed in in that? Yeah, you know, when all this stuff happened, I asked a couple of my Chinese friends to give me some perspective, and I've I've read some stuff too. Like, are these Chinese Americans, or are these, like, from mainland China, or um i mean they're chinese americans yeah okay. but their parents you know are from mainland china oh uh, sure and they i'm yeah. sure they have a lot to say yeah yeah um but even if not i think that perspective is actually very important you know yeah because from an outsider even as an asian you know we're koreans but we're not chinese as an outsider it seems very uh black and white it seems very clear you know and I do have a de- definitive stance on it, obviously, but then there is some nuance to it, you know. Yeah. And your and your wife is Chinese too. So, yeah, my wife is Chinese. So I'm sure you've you know you've got a good sort of pulse on on the uh, the dynamics of of what's going on, you know. So yeah, I did ask my sort of some of my Chinese friends, and I it's very interesting to me. I think it's it's there's so many layers to it, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you want to just give a quick summary of like what. Just yeah. So basically, um, like Daryl Morey started off with the with the tweet about. Well, hold on. Let's go. Actually, go. Yeah, we should go back and talk about 
Hong Kong and China, yeah. their relationship. So, in case you don't know, uh, for the for a very long time, Hong Kong was ruled by Britain, and in the late 1800s, I mean, uh, for a very long time, Britain had a huge portion of the world. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the whole imperialism and yeah. trying to colonialize that's a whole other yeah. can of worms in itself. Yeah. But needless to say, Hong Kong was one of those parts of the world that was ruled by Brit Britain. Which is fascinating in itself because it's it's an Asian, you know, demographic. Right. And you can you know. see you can see signs of that if you look at people like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Jackie Chan. A lot of Hong Kong people are, you know, they're very fluent in English. They speak with a British accent too. Um, but yeah, Hong Kong was ruled by Britain for a very long time. And then in the late 1800s, Britain and China came to an agreement where Hong Kong would stay under British rule for an, a period of 99 years. That period ended in 1997. And that's when China officially, and I put that in quotes, officially took over rule of Hong Kong. But since then... Uh, Hong Kong is not exactly directly part of China. It's what uh, people consider a semi-autonomous region, which basically means that they are overall under the umbrella of China, but they are very much a self-sustaining, self-ruling uh, city and nation, kind of. Um, and that that's kind of how the state of Hong Kong has been since uh, 1997. And um, I don't know how familiar are, you are with uh, that murder case that happened um, in Hong Kong. So Which basically, <laughs> all of this, all, all the protesting that's happening right now in Hong Kong is over this new bill, this new extradition bill, yeah. where um, China is trying to um, enforce that... Uh, Hong Kong, I guess, criminals can be extradited into China. And that's kind of another... They're trying to impose even more of their government government rule over Hong Kong, over this bill. And that happened because there was a case where uh, a Hong Kong couple traveled to Taiwan on vacation and only the man came back because he had murdered his girlfriend in Taiwan. And so the people of Hong Kong wanted to put this man under trial uh, and extradite him to Taiwan to uh, face criminal charges. But there are no rules currently for uh, extradition to Taiwan. So they were trying to pass this bill to allow that to happen. But that's when the Chinese government came in and try is trying to uh, edit this bill so that criminals can be extradited into mainland China as well. It's and just them furthering, you know, attempting to further their stronghold and assimilating, you know, these guys into their, you know, their umbrella. Right. Because, you know, ultimately in 2047, Hong Kong is going to yeah. become fully part of China, but right. they're trying to push that yeah, they're, along quicker. You yeah, know? yeah. And that's what's sparking these huge protests that are going on in Hong Kong right now. Um but what but what the big right and the, you you did a good job of like summarizing the backstory of it but the big reason why it's such a f uh, controversial firestorm is is their um 
you know, their method of, of going about, of, of, try, of how they're trying to, like, impose their will on these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what is being... Because it's like, some of these things that we're reading is quite harrowing, you know? Mm-hmm. And kind of crazy, you know, to, to imagine, like... I mean, I know the U.S.-China relationship has not been, like, you know, the greatest of friends. But, you know, China is... You would think that a China, like a country of China's ilk is like a little bit more progressive, you know, that these kinds of atrocities would happen more of like, you know, third world countries or like war torn countries. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, China is very unique, very unique, very unique because they have so much money, yet there are so many poor people living there. Uh, Their government is totally different from anything we know. Um, it's more of an authoritarian state. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, I was asking some of the things that, you know, my Chinese friends were, were commenting was like, you know, China's not necessarily a communist state anymore, right? But it's like, it's still totalitarian. It's still very much like all for mother, mother, mother China. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting because China is without a doubt progressing towards a more capitalistic type of like direction. You know, I mean, China's so big and China is so industrial. You can't. I mean, you you have that many people in one place. It's going to be a, a economic juggernaut, right? So they're progressing. I mean, at a very glacial pace, I would say. Um, but they're progressing towards that and and so there are like areas pockets i don't know how large where it's like they're very um i would say almost like westernized and yet you have a government yeah. that's very like nope we're not going there like the the successor of Mao Zedong i forgot what the name is the current leader he's been in power for like like such a long time you know Mao Zedong is it's, long it's the same ago. guy since Mao Zedong? Yeah. Oh wow. So his his mindset is like obviously rooted in the old school thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um Yeah, let me let right. me say this about Chinese people and please don't take this Uh oh. Please don't take any offense. My <laughs> wife is Chinese. I have family that are Chinese. So I take this with a grain of salt. Chinese people love money. Well, there I mean, is no question about well, it. Well, I, I will, I will, I will augment that statement in saying us Koreans, like Koreans culturally and just stereotypically too, love money too. Right. So it could be, uh, it could be like an East Asian thing, maybe. Right? Sure. But I say Chinese people love money because the government will do whatever it takes. For them to be, for that country to be economically thriving, and and uh, if if that means, you know, uh, softening up on some of their communist principles and being more capitalistic, they're gonna absolutely do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're yeah, we are seeing a gradual sea change, I think, in how China is in general, um, but. There are still strong hints of, you know, communism that is that is pervasive in Chinese culture. I mean, you there are no there is no Facebook in China. There is no Twitter. 
censorship China. is still censorship is there. very high and that's one of the huge differentiators between china and hong kong it's one of the cornerstones of democracy right. and you know yeah well what this country is all about right i mean personally for me like if i was a hong kong citizen like i wouldn't want i would not want to be part of china i would much rather <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah, i mean coming remain. from a guy who was born here yeah obviously i would think so yeah yeah, yeah. and so you know i i started off this episode like saying you know daryl Moore is not like one of my favorite people but uh i do have to say that you know i think he has every right to tweet what he tweeted you know, if we're of letting course. if we're letting other if we're letting players being outspoken about their you know their anti-Trump uh, opinions and feelings, then Daryl Morris should be able to say this about another country. But it's very complicated because China is such a big player when it comes to like NBA revenue. It's like I well, think they're projecting that in a few years. Like twenty percent of all revenue yeah. made by the NBA is going to be yeah. from China. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, and I'm sure you've talked about this with your wife, though. So let's talk before we go into the to the economic, you know, imp, you know, impact uh, and repercussions of this NBA China relationship. Um, let's talk about the Chinese perspective, though. You know what I mean? Because you know, now that we've given background and now that we've backstory and we. You know, I think as the as a listener, you will have a stance on it, and I think for the most part, we all stand on the same side, um, which is, yeah, the things that are going on against these you know Hong Kong citizens is kind of crazy and and terrible and should not happen, right? Mm-hmm. But from the Chinese perspective, like, what's the perspective from the, from their end? Mainland China is very different. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um... I feel like fans of the NBA, they just want to be able to watch NBA basketball. That's kind of being taken away from them right now. I think, uh, what, Tencent? They're the ones that do all the NBA streaming in China. They're, I think they're halting all basketball, NBA basketball streams right now, right, in China. So if I was, if I was a guy in China and I'm looking at all this... I would just be like, I just want to be able to see NBA basketball because I'm a huge fan of NBA basketball. I I can't really speak on uh, what a Chinese citizen's opinion is of Hong Kong trying to resist well, all that. Okay, yeah. I guess what I was trying to get at too, and, and again, I can't I can't speak for for Chinese people, obviously. But these are these are the things that I've heard from my chinese friends okay, right yeah. but basically it's like there is an other side to this in that you know with chinese the chinese people and you know we talked about it with the government it's very much about mother china you know it's about always towing the line and and being part of the the greater good you know what i mean and you kind of see that actually out out on the eastern european side like russia's kind of like that too um, but that's their mentality, you know, and that's very different from like the individualism and the Western more of like free, you know, free will. Yeah, 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 it's so different. And so there's a side to that where I think that's why the the strong side of of uh, opinion and uh, of China is like, well, it's 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 
this is for the greater good. This is by all means necessary. You know what I mean? Like you don't find, I don't think you'll find a lot of mainland Chinese people who say, oh my gosh, yeah, this is a terrible atrocity that's going on in Hong Kong. Mm. It's like, you guys need to step in line. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's why, like, for example, you saw, uh, I forgot the name of the, the Brooklyn Nets, right? I think it was Joe Tsai or something. Uh, oh, the owner? Yeah, he spoke yeah. out about it. And he was saying, you know, this is not such a black and white type of issue. Sure, sure. You know, which to me, I think is very fascinating, you know? Because, I, and this is why I wanted to bring up too, is that it speaks to how different culturally we are, you know? Yeah. And I think Korea is, is similar to that. You know, in Korea, cult, Korean culture, it's all about, you know... Hierarchy. Hierarchy, but also... Respecting it, your elders. Exactly. Yeah. But also, like, don't bring shame to your family. Don't bring right. shame to your country. It's all about the mother Korea, as they, you know, whatever, right? Uh-huh. It's all about pride and, and bringing honor and bringing... All, it's all about that, you know? So when you have that mentality... You know, you're from that perspective, you're going to be you're going to have a viewpoint of, yeah, some of the stuff may be shitty, but this is we're all in this together. This is, you know, we're all we're all here trying to, like, you know, live this life and represent our country to the best. You know, you know what I'm saying? Versus like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible freedom of speech. You got to live your life and all this stuff. It's so different, you know? Which I think is is a so I'm not here to say that like obviously, you know the perspective of mainland China is correct because I do side with Hong Kong obviously, but I side with them because of my mentality of having grown up in this country sure. in the United States. Yeah, no, that has a you huge, know, that but has it's a huge part. Yeah, of it, and it's yeah. but it's a fascinating I think viewpoint of like observation of what's going on here in play. You know. Yeah, I guess like a Chinese person, maybe they're looking at like. The complaints of someone from Hong Kong, and they're like, "What's the big deal?" You know? Yeah, because and be and you that. think that's crazy because you're right. like, "What do? You, how can you think that's what's the big deal?" Be, yeah. But it's because that's how they that's how they live their life right. out there. Right. So they're like totally okay with like not having Facebook, not having Twitter, like not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're. I, and again, like I, I don't know if we can speak to that, but I don't know if they're okay. But it's normal, right? You know, that's yeah. that's the life that they know. You know. Um, and I think that, you know, when I was reading up on all this and I was, you know, keeping up with this stuff, the best way that I, the way I see it is like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, like a parent, uh, uh, finds out, I guess it would, you, you couldn't have, you couldn't have it with like a mother, but let's say a guy finds out that he had a son that he, he never knew he had. Right. Uh huh. He he meets he meets up with him like he finds out, oh I have a I have a twelve year old kid right, and he somewhat whatever way he finds out right, and this kid's in his life now, and now this kid's like, oh I have a father I have a new biological father right that I didn't know about, and then the the father's like well I want to build this relationship with him and he starts imposing his will in him and be like you got to do this you got to go to you know you got to get good grades basically it's like you live under my house my rules this is you know but yeah. there's no relationship that they, that they, that he's had yeah you know yeah i mean it's kind of, it's not a total apples to apples comparison because china and hong kong you know obviously there has been a relationship over the years but it's like when you're when your child ha- hasn't had that has such a different background mindset 
to your from your parent is like is not they don't identify this person as their parent it's gonna have a huge impact you know i mean they they speak a different language like yeah hong kong people speak cantonese and you know yeah main rest of mainland china speaks mandarin and they can't even understand each other you know exactly a lot of people yeah and yeah i know like most you know most of the chinese people i know they speak mandarin but i do know people that speak cantonese and it's like just totally different and i i mean it would suck it would suck if like china once china takes over hong kong they'll if they do something like you can't speak cantonese anymore you have to learn how to speak Mandarin. yeah which is something i can totally see happening you know in the future but yeah it's it's a very complex and rocky relationship between them and the nba found its way entangled in this whole mess somehow and you know there are implications just beyond Daryl Morey too. You know, this could have salary cap implications. So a lot of these players on these max deals may end up making less money than they previously expected to. Yeah, because so the salary cap is based on uh, on revenue, right? Yeah. yeah, that's how they calculate the salary cap. And Huge these, ripple effect. And these contracts are based on the salary cap. Yeah. So um, it is one of the larger over overall storylines in basketball and in sports and in politics uh which is why i wanted to dedicate this time i mean we could actually probably on that yeah and i feel like we just scratched the surface and i feel like we could actually talk about this for a whole podcast but um but yeah there's just so many huge implications involved with this story and i that's why i you know spoiler alert that's on my list you know it's yeah. on my list so and, and i think we're at a standstill right now with uh china and the nba um i think china is wanting you know some type of punishment for daryl Morey. yeah because that's culturally what it you know right that's 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 the that's the age i'm not even talking about chinese that's the it's the asian cultural like uh standard you know what i mean you do something bad you get punished yeah and, you know and they they're they are kind of waiting for that to happen but i feel like adam silver has made it clear that it's not going to happen yeah so we'll see how all of that gets resolved in the future. It's something definitely to keep monitoring um, in the coming months. Yeah. But uh, enough about the outside stuff. We do want to spend most of our time talking about actual NBA basketball because as we've said in many podcasts before, this is shaping up to be one of the more exciting NBA seasons that we've had in a very long time. And so there are a ton of interesting things to keep an eye on. Uh, in terms of the overall scope of this NBA basketball season. Uh, so today, let's talk about the top storylines uh, in our minds for this upcoming season. You said you had, what, five? I got five. How many do you have? I have six. Oh, okay. Well, you have five, and China's one of them, right? Yeah. So you have four other ones? Yeah. Okay, I wrote down six storylines that I am personally interested in. Okay, sure. Um, you want to go, did you rank them? I guess I kind of did. I, I I have mine ranked. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to start with the least and yeah. go to the number one? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my number six storyline is um, monitoring how the injured stars come back. Okay. And um, so I have that, two so players. About... I have two players in mind specifically: Kevin Durant sure. and Clay Thompson, and okay. and even to a lesser degree, Boogie Cousins. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I I don't know. Well, first of all, like KD and Boogie Cousins, it's not even sure a sure thing that they're even gonna play any basketball this upcoming season. Yeah, uh, KD is. I I don't. I just don't foresee him playing prominently in any in any way this season. Um, but yeah, it is something. Still, he's such a impactful player. Um, and him, whether he even recovers ninety percent of the player that he was, or whether he doesn't, well, all that that has a huge impact on on the NBA. So, yeah, and yeah. we've you know we've previously shared our thoughts on the uh, impacts of the Achilles injury. Yeah, and our thoughts on you know how players potential changes after that injury. You know, and for me, if I'm like a Brooklyn Nets fan. I feel like I would want to see KD play this year if he could. Wow. If only for the sounds... if only for, you know, building chemistry with the other players. Okay. Just to be able to see like how he fits in with yeah. the other guys going forward into future in the future years, right? Yeah. Um, they're they're not expected to make a deep playoff run this season at all. So the bar is very low, right? No, this is absolutely just they're it's the honeymoon season. Yeah. You know, like if if I if I saw if I were a Nets fan and I saw Katie come back somewhat similarly in the way that Paul George came back from his um, broken leg, mm-hmm. I think I think uh, he ended he missed most of that following season and he played like maybe like five or six games yeah. just to round it out <clears throat> just to just get that feeling back of him playing on the court. Yeah, like I would I would welcome that sight. With Kevin Durant. If you were a Nets fan. Yeah, if I was a Nets fan. Um, back to the Achilles injury, though. Would you say his contract's worth it if he became... His baseline now is... He became a 22 to 23 points per game player? Absolutely. I would I would say so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, just for the simple fact that the Brooklyn Nets... I don't think they've ever signed a huge free agent mm-hmm. previous to this. Mm-hmm. And they got both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Because so. I think that would be a fair, you know, for a guy who was like a world-beating, all-class, all an all-timer type of talent, who averaged, you know, his average is kind of like in the 28 range. Yeah. To, to, to now go back to being like a 20, 22, 23 points per game. That's, I feel like that's a... You would consider that a success. A successful oh, recovery. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that would be... I'm almost want to say that's best case scenario, <laughs> but I mean you, you know we yeah. talked at you know he's at length about Kevin Durant's a top fifteen player of all time, right? Would you say? Uh, I, I don't know. I would have said so for sure before this injury because he just was on that trajectory. You yeah, know? I, I don't know now. I don't know if he. I mean, as a side note, there was that ridiculous. I think Bleacher Report came out with a top their top. NBA players of all time, uh-huh. and I think they ranked Kobe like twelve or thirteen. <laughs> uh, but Kevin Durant, I think, was on that list also. So was he? Yeah. So I think it's it's the okay. debate that yeah. he's in that okay elite sure. elite category. Yeah. But yeah, watch seeing what happens with him is going to be very interesting for me. Um, Clay Thompson's expected to make a full recovery and come back, you know, around the All Star break, and that could really change the dynamic in the you know as we'll cover in the next podcast episode 
just how big of a clusterfuck it is in the Western Conference this upcoming season. Yeah, and, you know, even in, in the whole injury uh, injury watch, like you were saying, it's even to the to the lesser degree of, you know, some of the lesser players. Um, like, for example, Nurkic could have a huge right. impact. Yeah. You know, because he, he went down with a pretty big injury last season. Um, even Denver, who I think is going to be one of the biggest surprise teams, um, Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. He, Played he looked, in the preseason yeah, game. Yeah, he looked pretty good. So, yeah. you know, this is a, the injury, the whole injury watch thing is, is, is for sure a, a big, big deal. I know a lot of Laker fans will be interested to see how Lonzo and Brandon Ingram come yeah. off of their season-ending injuries as well. Yeah. So, yeah, the injury watch is definitely one of my top storylines for <clears throat> this uh, season. So um, why don't you share one of yours? So my number five is Zion Williamson. To okay. me, yeah. um, to me, I feel like, and, you know, the hype kind of got got back up there with the recent um you know he bodied someone i think in preseason recently it was you know a pretty sick dunk but yeah i feel like he's kind of getting slept on because this is a guy who's you i mean you can say he's he's the most hyped uh prospect player to come to the NBA since I want to say LeBron. Since LeBron, I would say since LeBron. Also. Yeah, I I mean I know like AD was was still was also like a generational considered a generational talent kind of thing, but I I feel like Zion is still considered in that LeBron category. And LeBron was I I think the standard bearer, right? I think I don't think there was anyone with that kind of hype coming into the NBA. He was basically like the first player that had nationally televised games as a high schooler. Yeah. yeah, and the only other athlete, I think, that even compares to him in the last, I don't know, 20-some-plus-odd years is Bryce Harper. And he was yeah, a baseball player. Yeah, I remember player. Bryce Harper. Yeah, yeah, you know, we knew about him since he was, like, 16. You know, and Zion... You sure will... you want to bring up baseball right now? I don't. I do not. <laughs> Let's go right back to the NBA. Let's go right back, all right? Um, we don't want I to do talk want to talk about, about the Dodgers eventually a little bit. Yeah. Little bit. We'll, we'll save Let's, that for later. Yeah, we'll save that for way later. Um, but yeah, you know, Zion Williamson is, um, you know, for a guy of his generational talent, I don't see as many people talking about him. Uh, and partly it's because a lot of other stuff's going on, you know, the China stuff, obviously. Um, but I think that's something that uh, is going to play prominently this season. Like we're going to, you know, we might be looking at him being like, "Holy crap, this guy's like ridiculous." He looks really good so far. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so. That storyline is actually very similar to my next uh, storyline, which is um, on the subject of young cores. So there's a couple of teams out there that have. These, you know, budding young superstar cores. And it's only a matter of time until one of these teams emerges and becomes a contender in in the imminent future. And I wrote down three teams in particular that have, I would say, you know, exciting young cores that that are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the near future. And it was funny, actually, this, the young core sort of that storyline was something that i was actually considering putting on my list and it was definitely an honorable mention but yeah absolutely like just in general like the influx and the quality of these many young players in the nba you know yeah i mean this was 
This was the Lakers storyline for like the last <laughs> four or five years before yeah. LeBron came. You yeah. Know? So what? What was? What's the three? You had. This, you said you had three teams. Yeah. So I had three teams listed here. Um, you touched on one of them just now, the Pelicans. Yeah. Based on their, based on the preseason games highlights that I've seen, I mean, it looks like it looks like Lonzo and Zion are gonna get along really well. <laughs> well, Lonzo's a great passer. He's always been. I mean, yeah. uh, but I'm saying like from a basketball standpoint, sure. like Zion is like the yeah. player that Lonzo. Yeah, needs. they're tailor made for each other. Yeah, it's like LeBron, uh, LeBron AD. Right, right. LeBron and, and AD's younger brother. Yeah, and I younger would say duo. I would say like like I said in the last episode, I feel like Lonzo and Zion are like the two players that like this current generation loves the most. They're like wow, that's interesting. They're like emblematic okay. of this current Gen Z okay. basketball fan. Interesting, okay. Because I feel like they're the two most, like, when you, when it comes to, like, internet viral sensations, you know, obviously Zion was has been all over, like, you know, Ball is Life, uh, House of Highlights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lonzo, too, ever since they were both in high school. And so now together they're on the same team. If you're a Lonzo fan, if you're rooting for Lonzo, I feel like his situation with New Orleans is much better than what it what it was here with the Lakers. Yeah. Just because of like the pieces around him. Yeah. I think there's a lot more time for him to grow into his his own, you know, because he still needs time, obviously. And so yeah, the Pelicans are one of the big, you know, young cores and that I'll, you know, want to be monitoring. Yeah, and I I would say if like if you could choose one core you know, non-contender core, like young player core, in the NBA. I, for me, if you were to ask me that question, I would pick the Pelicans. Would you? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. I'm still ruminating and thinking about that one. Yeah. But yeah, that's definitely up there. They're one of the three teams that I've, yeah. I've listed here. It, because you, know, you haven't even talked about Brandon Ingram. Who yeah, that's how I was just going to bring him so. up. It's going to be very interesting how the Pelicans deal with Brandon yeah. Ingram because. I I feel like. I don't know if I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like Ingram is not. You can't fit him into like any team. Yeah, he kind of needs like a, a distinct. He needs like he needs the ball basically. Yeah. To to be at his best, you know. Yeah. And a lot of teams already have like that guy that yeah. has the ball, so it's gonna be really interesting to see how the Pelicans treat Brandon Ingram. He's in How a, they utilize this him. is his contract year, so it's gonna we'll see what happens yeah. if if they let him into the you know free agent market or not um, but the Pelicans are definitely one of them. The other two teams that I have listed here are um the Sacramento Kings yeah <coughs> i mean we're big we're big De'Aaron fox fans, yeah, and also uh you gotta say actually Vladi Divas is actually a really good g m yeah, yeah. You know, he... I mean, when, he passed on Luka Doncic. True, true. But Marvin he, Bagley looks like a good player, Yeah, though. you know, but I mean, everybody... I think all GMs have certain misses in the draft. I mean, Danny Ainge, who we've always begrudgingly kind of said that he's a really top GM, he's had some misses in the draft, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Vlade Divac, you know, when he traded to Marcus Cousins for that, that haul back in, I don't know, how many couple how many years ago it was... He was roundly like criticized for that. Yeah, they got Buddy Hill for it, and they got a great they got a great package for that. And yeah. Buddy Hill 
you know, like, that's actually very, that's a huge, like, having pretty good foresight, you know? Because you look back in the deal now, and you're saying, wow, that they, they made out really good, and this roster makes sense, you know? It's yeah. not just like, let's just smash as many whatever good players that we can find. It, I mean, he's a 6'4 shooting guard. He, I think he was like 24 as a rookie. Yeah, he I mean, got older the, like too. by the numbers, it like didn't look didn't good. make sense. Yeah, I I think a lot of people, including myself, underestimated just how good of a shooter. Totally he is. underestimated. I did too. Yeah, yeah, but he's looking like a really solid, like a piece. star in the making, right? Yeah. So they have that that three right there. I feel like is you know up there in terms of like core young core players. So the Kings are my second team, and the third team that I listed here are um, the Atlanta Hawks. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know, Trey Young. Trey Young. Yeah. He bounced back. He. I think he struggled in the beginning of his rookie year, but he bounced back and had a really strong finish. Really good second half. Um, John Collins. He's a baller. Underrated. Underrated big man. Uh, people love um, Hurdle, the the shooter on that team. I, I'm not familiar with that guy. Um, okay. Or Jake Herter. I, I don't really know his name. Oh, Kevin? Kevin? Kevin Herter. Herter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They're really big on him, too. The Red Mamba? Yeah. I think they call yeah. him that. So I, I feel like they have a, a okay. chance to become something. Interesting. You, know? you, you, you called out Atlanta over, like, Dallas? Well, um... I love that duo. I, I also the... liked I also liked uh, Atlanta's draft picks this, uh, oh, I this see. past season, Yeah, too. They, they've... they've... They've been making some solid drafts. Like, I'm a Cam Reddish fan. I think he's going to yeah. end up being pretty good. Okay. Um, so, yeah, those are those are the three teams that I have listed here. But you think, <clears throat> without a doubt, you would say that the Pelicans, you would invest in that stock Oh, first. I would. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, for, for the, for only, if not only for, like, Zion Williamson, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but also because... You know, they're going to get another lottery pick this year. You know? Yeah. Especially being yeah, in that will. loaded West. Right. They're going to get another lottery pick. And David Griffin is their G- GM. Like, I am buying all kinds of Pelican stock, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that was my uh, number five okay. story. Mine's actually kind of similar for my number four, um, which is the wide open NBA. You know? Okay. First time in I don't know how many years. And just typically the way the NBA works is there's always that clear-cut title favorite. Always. That's just how the NBA works, you know? Yeah. And this is the first year uh, where you got not just talking about the Lakers and Clippers that we've always talked about, but you got the Bucks, you got the Rockets, the Nuggets, um, even Golden State. I don't, you know, I don't think they are a inner circle favorite title, like, you know, title contender, but they're still really good too, you know? Yeah. And Clay Thompson comes back. I, I mean, they're, they're dangerous. So, um, yeah, I feel like that is just a huge storyline, um, because we're going to see, uh, there's going to be more interest, you know, from, from, uh, the fans this year because you know more teams are contending um but also i think because this storyline is going to be is going to carry through not over just this season but the following seasons you know right like the table has been set for yeah. it to be 
wide open currently as it stands anyway. Yeah. The table yeah. has been set for this league to be wide open for the foreseeable future. Yep. Okay. Um my my number four was um the new Houston Rockets duo. I'm okay. really interested in seeing how this whole Harden Westbrook experiment. You gave that its out. own that's an own storyline, huh? Yeah, yeah, because you know when that trade went down, I kept going back and forth on whether or not this was a good thing or or bad thing for Houston, you know. Yeah. You know, I I don't think there's any uh that pairing that team there there's not going to be any middle ground in my opinion yeah exactly so i i feel like it's going to be highly successful or it's going to be just a huge flop it's gonna yeah it's gonna be either just there's gonna be so much inner team turmoil they're gonna hate each other uh you know they're gonna be subtweeting and just going at each other or that team is just gonna be a beast of a squad and we're gonna be talking in later pods of how you know how are we going to deal with this team? Yeah. You know? yeah. So, because they, they there's just so much potential with that team. Like I I uh, Zach Lowe's one of his podcast episodes he interviewed um the guy that the New York Times writer that wrote a book on Oklahoma City, and he, he went into detail in his book about how Russell Westbrook basically held that entire franchise hostage. Interesting. And how he just kept everybody on edge. So, like it, so hold on. So, the organization. He, so this author uh, chronicled, like, it's not just a back in the day type of thing. It's like it he, he wrote about whole... he wrote about the history of the city of Oklahoma City. Uh huh. But then he also talked a lot about the Thunder I and see. how like a small town like that went from like nothing to having like this major NBA team juggernaut of a team that had like three former MVPs on it. Yeah. And then how that all kind of just disintegrated. Disintegrated. So it's like chronicling from that team's inception and the trade of Russell Westbrook? I think so. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. So he was saying that Westbrook held that franchise hostage. Yeah, he uh so it wasn't a positive he wasn't painted in a positive light. Westbrook, is that right? Well, it's like <clears throat> Is he had a very interesting um, relationship with like that organization? I would say this reporter or no Westbrook. Okay, Westbrook. Or okay, like the for some reason they allowed him to. They gave him free reign basically to like do whatever he wanted. Yeah, and um, I don't think that's going to be the case in Houston, or is it? You know, because there's already there's an incumbent <clears throat> superstar on that team, mm -hmm. and so. He's not going to be a able brighter to, star. Yeah, he's not going to be able to get away with certain things that he got away with, or was allowed to get away with at Oklahoma City. Yeah. So that adds to like this huge potential for this to end very badly for the Houston Rockets. Yeah. And you know, to me, I'm just going to be, you know, very interested to see how this experiment shakes out. Yeah. Because, you know, it, the, an argument can be made that if Houston brought back the exact same team from last year, that people would have looked at them as stronger title contenders, right? You mean when they had Chris Paul? Yeah. Really? I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel like if you had brought the same squad, people would have said their chance, their window passed, you know? Even with the Warriors team, like, 
being dismantled because that uh, that was the only team that really got in their way. And they pushed. They pushed. They were. I mean, they're yeah. Chris Paul hamstring away from winning the NBA. Well, title that's the thing. I think they missed their size. chance, and then now Chris Paul is no longer Chris Paul. You know. Um, well, I mean, yeah. he looked pretty good in his preseason <laughs> game with OKC. Yeah. Which, by the way, I think OKC that team. You know. You think they're getting slept on? Can be a very pesky team this NBA <laughs> pesky season. Team, that's all there. That that's that's high praise for. Hey, for Chris Paul. Watson. Chris Paul, SGA. That's a great backcourt. I love SGA. Yeah, he's he's gonna be a problem. And Stephen Adams is like shooting three pointers now and stuff. It's you know, gonna be interesting. <laughs> okay, pesky. The Gallinari. They have Gallinari. He's a good player. So, yeah, eh, we'll, we'll see. I, I give you that. They, they could be pesky. Yeah, pesky. I mean, Chris Paul is pesky himself, so he's probably and like teams take on the character of their best player. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, something to keep keep an eye. Okay. On. So that was that's my number four. Uh, okay. Storyline. Give me your number three. Okay, my number three uh, one is that big midseason trade. Is a big midseason trade going to happen? Oh, I see. It's like what's what's gonna happen? Yeah, and I'm and I'm <clears throat> I'm talking about a few players here. Um, we just mentioned Chris Paul. There's there's no I don't think there's any um, there's any question that he does not see himself in Oklahoma City long term. I think he does want to find a way out somehow. Okay. So how and are how how and will OKC trade Chris Paul at some point this year. The other name that's being thrown around to have the potential of shifting the NBA landscape is Bradley Beal. Right. What's going to happen with him? Right. There was... He's in his contract year now. Yeah. I think Washington still does want to extend him. Uh, but People were thinking he was going to be on the move even last year. Yeah, but I mean... Bradley Beal going to any of these teams that would change oh my gosh. everything. Game changer. Yeah, he's such a good. Yeah, he's such an amazing player. Yeah, and then you know third, um, the Boston Celtics. They've been dangling one of their wing players for many years now. That there's no there's no secret that they need more beef up front. Sure. There are teams out yeah, there. They lost Al Horford. Yeah, there are teams out there that have, uh, you know, a bevy of young long you know four five position players and i'm talking about like the orlando magic yeah and so are the boston Celtics going to pull off a trade trade away you know a jalen brown or yeah you know i just love that boston is no longer like i mean they were a feared franchise for me you know their, the way their they... future was very bright oh my god for was... a hot minute it was <laughs> oh very god. bright they looked real good you know what i mean like yeah i mean brad stevens took a lot of heat last season yeah. but he's still like i think a top five coach oh yeah i i still i'm a still huge brad stevens fan but you know the celtics like you, you know you were talking about the storyline of you know all these young core and you'd even mention the celtics you know you you want to talk about if this was two three years ago that celtic squad or that roster would have been at top or near the top of the list you know well you know jason so, tatum's stock was at its all-time high during his yeah, rookie season and yeah. then you know according to espn kobe bryant ruined him oh i know that's just and now he's his star has crazy. dimmed a little bit yeah. you know uh they they pushed 
you know, the Cavs to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals without Kyrie Irving, without Gordon Hayward. So yeah. at that time, it was like, oh, Boston's going to be, you know, a title favorite. Yeah. And, you know, the whole Kyrie thing happened, and now it's a different story. Yeah. But, yeah, are the Celtics going to trade Jalen Brown? I don't think they're going to trade Jason Tatum. But, uh, and also, I think this is, you know, believe it or not, I think this is Gordon Hayward's last year of his contract with the Celtics. Wow, that now that was what a failed experiment right there. Yeah, and it's it's you know not to the fault of yeah. anybody. It's just yeah. one of those like freak injuries that happen. Yeah. And, um, but that's yeah, a you know that's an example of uh, holding on to your trade chips way too long, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and those chips got stale. Right, they <laughs> yeah. did, they did. So, um, but yeah, it absolutely is something to look look at. Yeah, going forward. Okay. Uh, my number three is, and you know, it's sort of in relation with number four too, but it's MVP watch. It's a yeah. wide open race, I think. Um, I like. There's all kinds of things to look at. Like, is Giannis gonna make another take another step forward? Um, he's he could potentially be he could potentially be even better than what he did last year, and he won the MVP last year. You know. That's crazy. Um, I think actually, uh, I mean, I won't go into too much detail because I know we're doing predictions. Yeah. But like Steph, like he's now back to being, you know, main guy Steph. And he could put up insane numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, He can be MVP again. Um, We can't forget LeBron. Can't forget LeBron. But the important thing about LeBron too, for me, with, you know, within this MVP watch storyline is when are we going to sort of see the the decline of LeBron? You know, how much of an MB, MVP player is he now? You know? Yeah. And in relation to that, his teammate, AD, is he going to be the MVP now? You know? He definitely has a talent to <laughs> He contend. does, right. Um, and then, of course, you got Kawhi, you know, who's, yeah. you know, you talk about Jason Tatum, whose whose stock was at an all time high, and now his stars dimmed a little bit. Kawhi Leonard, right now, you can make a case right now that his stock may be at its highest it will ever be, because we don't know what's going to happen in the coming seasons. Now he get, kind of gambled on the on the Clips, right? He could have joined the Lakers and just made his really cemented his legacy and added like four more rings, right? So we don't know. It's a wide open NBA. Uh-huh. But what he did in the postseason was Jordan esque, and coming in right now, he, I mean, his stock, he's looking. People are saying best player in the NBA. He, you know, he is. <coughs> I know he's a very like soft spoken, quiet guy, but low key, that dude is feeling himself real hard yeah, right now. Yeah. To turn down a team with LeBron <laughs> and Anthony Davis. Yeah. And to not only turn down, to, but turn it down of the, in that in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and to like go to the Clippers. Yeah, that guy's confidence is is yeah. sky high right now. Yeah, which speaks to I mean, you know, speaks to his ability and also like yeah, his, you might... need to have your guys like Kobe. Like Kobe, he his confidence was just like that too. You know, right? And, I mean, it's not. I'm have... not saying it's like ungrounded. Like he no, he it's... has every reason to yeah. be 
as confident as he is. Yeah. But I'm just saying, the <laughs> he dude, got balls. The dude, yeah. he got balls on this guy. He's yeah. double downing on his yeah. on his stock right now. It's Kaiser Soze, and and the thing is, he's so ballsy that he did he did me so wrong as a Laker fan. He did me so dirty that I'll I still I'll, I couldn't help but laugh at how he did it. You know what I'm saying? I still couldn't help but be like, damn, this guy is crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. To the point where I had to kind of respect it, you know? So, yeah, like, Steph, LeBron, AD, Giannis, uh, Kawhi, it's, it's, it's wide open this year. So, I think that's going to be really interesting this yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a parallel with how wide open the yep. league is, right? Yep. Is yep. who's going to win the MVP. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... And MVP, winning the MVP in the NBA is such a big deal. It's a huge deal. It basically cements you in the Hall of Fame. If you look at, the, if you look yeah. at history, you know... Every MVP has won, has every regular season MVP has gone on to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. Probably Derrick Rose will be the only one that won't have that distinction, unfortunately, Rip. for him. Man, pour some out for our homie there. But, you know, had, had it not been for the injury, he would have been a Hall of oh, Famer. without a doubt. Right? So, yeah, yeah winning the MVP is a, is a huge deal. I think we're both very confident that Giannis is going to become a Hall of Fame player, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely a very, you know, compelling storyline for this sure. upcoming season. All right, what was your number two? So my number two is uh, hashtag Iggy Watch. <laughs> All right, okay. What is, what is going to happen with Andre Iguodala? This has huge yeah. Lakers implications. Well, that is sort of a Lakers storyline, but yeah. Well, I mean... I think Woj just recently said it's going to be between the Lakers and the Clippers. So it's... Is that recently? Yeah, I think he had a... Um, he did like a TV special with Zach Lowe. Yeah, that's a pretty about huge... Yeah. You gave him his own storyline, even above your storyline of, uh, I you mean, know, mid-season. Yeah, <laughs> mid-season yeah the mid-season <laughs> thing is like... It's it's all speculation. Yeah. That could tip the scale. Yeah. I feel like Iguodala, you know... Going to another team—that's a format. It's just—it's just, it's just gonna—it's just when and it's who. bound to happen, or when you know? and which team. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, <clears throat> I feel like if he would have—if there was a market for him to be traded to a team, that would have happened already. But obviously, it hasn't. Yeah. So the potential for him to be bought out, I think, is real. If he does get bought out, according to Woj, it's either going to be the Lakers or the Clippers, and that could tip the scale. Huge, huge, right? Yeah. And you know, uh, I I gotta say, like, I think Memphis is playing it pretty smartly. Yeah, you know? I mean, obviously they won a first rounder out of out of Iggy. You know, well, I that, wouldn't just buy him. I wouldn't just buy him out either. Yeah, if I was a Grizzlies. You, you know, like because it's the whole thing. Like, you know, as the season's progressing, and you're realizing that the the glaring holes you got, the weaknesses you got, teams are gonna be more desperate. You know what I mean? So it's. Uh, as much as I hate them for not letting him go and so he can come to the Lakers, you know, they're playing it smartly. But yeah, like you said, it's it's something to for sure keep an eye on, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh I think <clears throat> Iggy is totally fine with the situation right now. It's not like he really cares to play regular season NBA basketball anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fine with just right. Yeah. I mean the playoffs wouldn't be the playoffs without Andre Godala, <laughs> as recent history has shown. So Right. I something tells me he's going to make an appearance in the playoffs this season. It's just a matter of which for which team. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and here's hoping that he dons <laughs> the purple and gold. 
It would right? We've said it before. Be... What what if what if the Lakers this team adds Andre Godala? Like how would you Game feel? changer. Right? Game changer. Total game changer. Yeah. So Game Changer. Iggy Watch is my number two. Okay. Um so my number two <clears throat> and I was debating whether to put this as number one. Uh, which is what we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. The NBA, China, whole the whole thing there. Right. Um, for me, it's I think it's it's just such a big deal. This is, and this will not go away, you know. And the reason, one of the reasons why, and we didn't talk about this yet, because you know the NBA has for a long time held the stance of like, you know, we're very progressive we're we're all about social activism uh activism you know um you know they adam silver is like very pro pro player like he he wants his players to have a voice um you know lebron doing this whole uh responding to the whole shut up and dribble you know thing that you know one of those fox news reporter i forget your name was you know was telling lebron to shut up and then he spoke out um silver was totally behind that you know all this stuff of this activism of like you know we want where we want our organization and we to stand for what's right and then this whole china thing happened and now it's like the nba has got a bit of an egg on their face you know it's it's a big deal you know because now people are saying oh okay so when it's not and when the chips are not down when when like not much is at stake you're gonna speak up and stand up for for certain issues yeah you know now you're gonna do that and so it's kind of crazy now like people are like you can't just have your cake and eat it too mm-hmm. you know yeah and so it's gonna and and that's just the cultural aspect of it you know you want to look at the the economic aspect of it you know you mentioned it too like china is a huge player and make well has such a huge impact on in terms of just sales yeah you know not just for the nba and their merchandising but like nike which is a huge uh basketball you know the shoes the 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 athletic gear and all that so it's crazy how much it's not just cultural but it's 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 uh you know economical yeah and i mean i have i have like multiple friends that are in the fashion industry and They all, all of them make like this yearly trip to China because yeah. everything is manufactured there. Yeah. You know, so they are a huge player. You know, when it comes to Adam Silver, my opinion is that he has a financial obligation before he has a moral obligation, right? Yeah. I mean, that is true. I agree with that. But, you know, that's the thing is that they portray themselves as not. You know, like, I think there was a recent ad that they came out would be like, you know, would you stand up? It, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was, but it was like something of like, would you stand up for what you believe in, even if it costs you everything? You know, they had that sort of like, I think it was like the, the Colin Kaepernick thing, right? No, I mean, I'm talking about NBA. Oh, the NBA. Okay. Yeah. But Nike too. But yeah, the NBA, you know, and it's like, wow. Okay. Is that all right? That's okay. See, wow, yeah, you know. I mean, I think, and then here we are now, right. and they're they're like, and this is one one of the main reasons why I I added this on this top NBA storyline of this season because I'm so interested to see how they're gonna deal with this in season. Like just recently, you know that did you see that thing about the reporter asking the question 
to James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I I kind of saw the headline, but I don't know what happened. So there. she's like, she got she had, she had the mic and she's like, you know, James and Russell, what do you think about all the stuff that's going on, right? Did Russ say next question? No, he said that he was going to retire that answer. Yeah, but but no, what ended up happening was an NBA person. They didn't. It, you can kind of hear it from. It wasn't in the camera. Was like, no, no, we're not going to answer. They're not going to answer that. And they were like, basically trying to get the take the mic from the reporter. So that's oh yeah, that's that's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's not going to go away. This is going to happen the whole, during the whole season. You know. Um, so I, I feel like it, the implication of this, people are not people are not realizing how big of a deal this is. Yeah, I mean the the NBA detractors would say that this league is hypocritical for taking like being selective on their moral stances. Exactly. Like, exactly. They're not saying anything now exactly. about China. Exactly. And I think they have a point, honestly. Exactly, and also. It's this is not going to just impact uh, the NBA. Like ESPN recently posted like a picture of a map of China, and they included Hong Kong and they included other these other areas. You know, it's just a very like a subconscious or more, sort of like an underhanded like, hey, we stand with you, China, kind of thing. You mm-hmm. know. Um, when you listen to the radio right now, Stephen A. Smith, people are calling in and saying, you know, can you talk about this, you know, China topic or whatever? And he's just like, I don't have time for this. Next, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, Steve Kerr and Popovich, they're like refusing to comment on it. Also. Exactly. And so it's such a, this is it's a dicey situation. It's because very, it's like, it's crazy. I have an opinion, but I also like my paychecks too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's a crazy thing because not just of like what what we're dealing with here but who we're dealing with here which is china is that like these like the the chinese uh, government they don't f around yeah don't fuck don't fuck around with china yeah they don't mess around if you're in business do not fuck with china like you know and like for example you know have you, have you heard of a uh, hearthstone no hearthstone is a game made by blizzard you've heard of blizzard yeah. right they made starcraft uh I think they made Blizzard's a Korean company, aren't they? Um, they I'm not sure what what company. No, I don't think they're. I think they're an American company. Oh, okay. But Overwatch, all these these huge games, right? Probably thought it was Korean because of StarCraft. Yeah, yeah. But they, uh, Hearthstone is a very popular like uh, card type of game. Um, it's like Magic the Gathering, but anyways, it's it's a card game. Yeah. Um, there was a player that won this tournament, and he in his in his uh post tournament winning interview he was saying that he stands by hong stands by uh hong kong right yeah and blizzard took away his winnings to strip him of his title and all that well i think yeah i think they're also um that reminded me of um that new uh live action mulan movie that's coming out yeah like the actress that got casted to play their lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said something about Hong right. Kong too, and right. now people are calling for her to be removed right. from that movie. Right, exactly. It's a very sensitive so issue. This, right this, here. this thing is is crossing all levels. This is on all levels right now. You know. Yeah. Um. Like, 
China is all about censorship and censors their very, you know, gate, gatekeeps whatever comes out and Can't comes talk in, shit about right? the government. Yeah. But because they have such a huge, uh, incredible uh, economical impact on the U.S., in a sense, they're censoring U.S. too, you know? Yeah. So it's crazy. Um, so I, for me, that's... I'm almost talking about, to myself as the number one storyline, but this is a Lakers podcast, so... They, it's like China, like, just blocked the NBA on their Instagram account. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You know, blowing up their phone and saying, it's all good. You know, right. block me, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, it's a huge storyline. That's your number two. That's my number two. All right. So my number one storyline for this season is which big two will emerge as the number one duo okay. in the NBA? Because as we know, with all the movement, with all the free agency signings that happened this past summer, we're now <laughs> kind of moving back into the era of a big two instead of a big three. And so there are several big twos out there now. And, you know, this whole summer, you go on ESPN, you go on these, you watch these talk shows, and they keep talking about which big two is the best one. So I, I feel like. My number one thing that I'm going to be watching for in terms of the overall NBA is which big two is actually going to be the best. Yeah. Obviously, you and I think that, you know, being Laker fans that we are, we think that LeBron and AD are, you know, the best duo in the league. And I think we have a lot of... There's a strong case for it. We have, a, we have a, you know, a lot, of, a lot of backup backup support to that, to that opinion. Yeah. Um, but there's also, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, there's... Um, Which is a very legitimate claim to that a very legit, title. You know, Harden and Russell Westbrook. Very former, legitimate as well. Two former MVPs. Um, people will still Steph clap and for D'Angelo, us. right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Clay. Uh, Steph and Clay. I knew that would get you. Uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good duos out there in NBA. Giannis now. and whoever. Giannis and Chris Middleton. Yeah. Chris Middleton, who like I don't think he averages even ten points a game in the FIBA World Cup, got a max extension though. So yeah, good good for Chris Middleton. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of big duos in the NBA now, and it's like I think who emerges as the best duo, yeah, is going to be determined by who wins the championship. This <clears throat> yeah, year. even even in non-contenders, you know, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah. That's that's yeah, that's something to keep an eye on. So Lonzo and Zion Williamson. Sure, sure, yeah. So yeah, that's my number one storyline for this okay. season. Um mine's actually very similar. It but it's it's a little bit more Laker centric. Okay. Which is my number one storyline of this year is the battle for Los Angeles. It's I think, you know, we they often say, you know, New York is the Mecca of basketball. That's yeah. That's not the that's mecca not of basketball for the foreseeable future is Staples Center. It is Staples Center. Yeah. Um, it's and I you know I was wondering oh should you know am I being a little biased should I be is it is it should I should I not make this number one but to be honest it it should be either one or number two because you have the best players in the NBA all clustered. In, in, on these two teams, they're the two top two contenders for the title. Um, 
And there's bad blood between the two organizations. And it's in the biggest, or I guess New York's still the biggest market, but it's in the second biggest market in, in the world. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think every, it's going to be the hub of the NBA. You know, the ESPN, all the, the major uh, sports uh, sites and social media, everyone, this is where the story s- starts and ends first, you know, um, is in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I mean, I was walking around LA Live yesterday, and to my, to my surprise, I saw, you know, people walking around in clippers gear and i'm like what the fuck's going on here like yeah am i am i is this the end of the world but you know there was a preseason game the clippers had yesterday yeah and it's just like wow like this right here is all the attention so much of the national media basketball media focus is going to be right here you know all eyes and all all eyes on me as tupac would say you know uh and this all the eyes will be in los angeles and i think Another reason why this made the top of my list is because what happens this year between the two teams is going to have a lasting impact on the city, on the players' legacies, on the, you know, the, tra- the trajectory of the NBA, how people are going to, how these players are going to be viewed um, going forward, you know? So, yeah, like, if the Clippers win, Kawhi's... He's on the path of being on the Mount Rushmore of, of the greats. If he if he wins, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I if have he to say so. If he loses and LeBron, uh, wins, then it's gonna be like, well, Katie got hurt, you know. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't have won anyways. <laughs> but if the if LeBron wins though and brings a championship to the Lakers, it's it's gonna be I the hype that... is gonna be real for this guy. Yeah, you I know. Mean, Personally, for me, like, I, I'm i still wondering if LeBron right now is, like, a top five player of all time. Mm-hmm. But if he does, in fact, bring a championship to the Lakers, like, yeah. it's, it would be undeniable at that point. It, it, it's, you know? Yeah, so it's it, there's a lot at stake here, you know? And in my opinion, the championship's going to, it's going to roll, roll through either of those two teams. Right, then, right. You know? And yeah. so... Um, you know the championship could very well be played in the Western Conference Finals. You know, and we've seen that. You know, history. Yeah. Throughout history, like we've seen, you know, the Lakers Kings series, yeah. the Lakers Blazers series, it, the Lakers and Spurs. Every time they faced off, it was always like the West is so goddamn loaded. When you look at like just a list of NBA teams, I feel like yeah, the Western Conference Finals might be. A battle of the two best teams in the NBA, yeah, and could very well be a hallway series, yeah, you know, which a lot of people are predicting. And I'm interested to seeing how that's going to play out, you know, because now all of a sudden you got all these Clipper fans coming out of the woodworks, right? Yeah, you know, I want to see how that plays out. Yeah, you know, so um, yeah, so that's that's my number one storyline of the year. Yeah, no, definitely, that's definitely merits number one status. Um, so you. You brought up the word legacy, and that segues nicely into um, what I want to talk about next. Is did you read that um, Dave McMenamin article on Anthony Davis? No, I know you were tweeting that it's a really good article. So, so, so tell me what happened. He basically chronicled like the whole 
the whole um that weekend where AD got traded to the Lakers. Um a couple of things stood out in the article which was just how how crucial it was that the NBA draft lottery panned out the way it did with you mean with uh Darius uh Garland? Well, with the Lakers. Yeah. You know, hitting on that 9.4% chance of getting the number four pick. <laughs> and also with the Pelicans. Can we stop saying one. that the draft is 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 not rigged anymore? Like, the draft's rigged, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. But anyways, all right, yeah, go on. But yeah, the fact that the Lakers ended up with the number four pick, the fact that the Pelicans got the number one pick, which, you know, yeah, in terms crazy. of like having a bitter taste in their mouth that softened the blow a lot for the Pelicans organization. Well, yeah, they got the new LeBron. Yeah. Or they got the new AD, AD or LeBron, whatever. Yeah, and to, you to know, that in the article, it chronicled how David Griffin was shopping around that number four pick even before the trade happened. So he wanted, because he wanted... He wanted to test the waters. He wanted get, assurance yeah. that he can get something out of that number four pick. Yeah. So which showed how crucial... It was that the Lakers had that yeah. to, as a trade chip. Yeah, had they fallen yeah. out of that, it would. Who been knows? Really it might not have been a. There might not have been a been a deal. You know, AD could be could have been could be in, in Boston right or now. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, and you know, also, uh, in the article, it said how Rob Palenka, you know, multiple multiple times throughout the day that AD eventually got traded, he thought that the deal was off. Palenka thought. Yeah. He thought that the deal was dead like multiple times throughout that day. That's just him being played as a... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just... It just goes to show how tricky these, you know, yeah. these NBA Very complicated. could be. Yeah. Um, it also kind of hinted that the players involved in... The front office players involved in making this trade happen had to be the, the exact people that they were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that was uh, you know David Griffin obviously had a relationship with Rich Paul. Um, right. The GM of the Pelicans is Trajan Langdon, who was a fellow agent with Rob Palinka. Trajan Langdon, that's a yeah. name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, they were both him and Palinka were both uh, agents for Arn Tellum. Yeah, in the day, so they had a relationship. Yeah, relationships matter greatly. That's why Kevin McHale traded Kevin Garnett to. The Celtics. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, we all know, like, Gail Benson did not want to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers yeah. at all. Yeah. But having David Griffin in there, having Trajan Langdon in there, um, Rob Palenka's relationship with Trajan Langdon, you know, Rich Paul, obviously, having those guys involved really allowed for this trade to happen, you right. know, on top of the assets that were available. Um and then it, and then the article kind of went into detail a little bit about that scene of LeBron gifting number twenty three to Anthony Davis and how that all went down. Yeah. Like it happened in a in a like a Italian restaurant in Brentwood. Oh, it was, there was a bit of a, like it was a thing. Yeah, they went. To it dinner. wasn't just like no, no no. They went to dinner and then um, like LeBron actually put in a lot of effort to like interesting make this surprise happen for AD. Like he wrote him a personal card. He he uh, gifted him a box. Damn, dude! Like LeBron, he, unveiled, he unveiled the jersey to Anthony Davis. LeBron is—he's smitten. He's smitten by AD. He just loves this guy. Like this, you know. Ten years ago, the big the big debate was like, 
comparing the big talk was like comparing LeBron and Kobe. Yeah. This has got to be one of the big differentiators between these two guys because could you ever see Kobe doing that for another player? <laughs> for Pau Gasol? Yeah. Yeah. Like, LeBron, not only did he... Um, not only is he pushing for AD to, like, eat first in the offense... Which, to, which remains to be seen, I think, whether that is, I think, legitimate. Sure, but, sure. but, yeah. But yeah. This, this whole, like, grand gesture of gifting this number to Anthony Davis, I feel like it... It's a huge deal. Okay. It kind of speaks to like it's a bigger deal where then. LeBron is in his career now, right, you know? Okay. Like he's kind of willing to if not like pass the torch to like share the mantle with yeah. another player. And you know, in terms of like team chemistry, I feel like there's huge upside here because of like this right. act, you know. I think in my in my mind, I think of what LeBron's thinking right now is I just need another ring. Uh, you should bring in your own little cynical view yeah. to this. No, whole no, no. I know. I'm not saying it's cynical because I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's he's he's trying to win, right? But I think right now the, the motivation, right, is I just want another ring. Is that and and I don't think he's wrong in that. Like for example, Kobe's mentality would be, I want I I want another ring, and I need to be the man. Doing I need it. to be the man. I need to be yeah. the MVP. Yeah, you know what I mean. When the when the finals roll around rolls around and they make it, LeBron's not gonna be like, I need to be the MVP. I just need to, he, like for him in the in the grand scheme of things for him big picture wise, I just need another ring. I need to bring in a ring to LA, and yeah. that'll be good enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and I think that's and he's why. Right. And yeah, he's right about yeah, yeah, that. yeah. And I think that's a very clear distinction, and that's something that's like. I think that's 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 a good mentality to have. You know what I mean? Yeah. That and that that strengthens your chances. You know when you have that mentality. Yeah. So he has the self awareness, right? To to know that he needs another player. Yeah. You know, and he needs Anthony Davis to be like an MVP caliber player, and be operating at his best, both player wise and mentally, right? So, yeah. which is what he's what he's trying to do. Yeah. So here's so here's where the whole legacy thing, you know, comes in for me is that Anthony Davis, you know, he's obviously he's a superstar player, but up until now, like that whole narrative of the superstar player that has never won a ring, that has he's been pretty immune and secure like safeguarded from that whole thing because he's been in New Orleans his whole career. Yeah. But I feel like you know, you talk about implications for the future uh, based on what's happening this season. Like, that looms huge for Anthony Davis because, like, yeah, this whole sure. talk about... <clears throat> and we see we saw Kevin Durant go through it. We saw... We're, we're seeing James Harden and Russell Westbrook go through it now. We're about to see Giannis go through it, too. Yep. It's like, he's a great player, but he can't, he can't get over the hump. Yep. You know, that... If the Lakers don't win this year... That could be the new kind of label or narrative, narrative that's yeah. been placed that'll be placed on Anthony Davis. Yeah, uh, he talked a lot about in this article, like how no one ever got up to play against him because he's been in New Orleans his whole career, and that he was looking forward to like the pressure of being a target now. Now that he's on the Lakers, yeah. 
So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how like the narrative will be placed on Anthony Davis. Right. You know? Because you know the 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 huge thing about the NBA and it's the same in in the NFL, which is it doesn't really it doesn't really matter if you if you like load up on the stats. You know, it's different in baseball. Like obviously the end goal is to always win the World Series and that's a big deal. But in baseball, you hit 40 home runs a year for 10 plus years or whatever and get 3,000 hits. Whatever. They're just numbers based. You'll make it to the Hall of Fame. You'll yeah. be considered a great. And we'll talk about the Dodgers too. But Clayton Kershaw, the, the much maligned Clayton Kershaw, he's still going to go down as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Yeah, they're going to kind of, um, you know, skewer him for his postseason woes. But he's still going to go down as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But you contrast that with the NBA and, you know, like the NFL too. Winning the ring is hugely important. Winning, winning it all is a bigger deal, you know? I mean, and I would say that it's even a bigger deal in the NBA than it is in the NFL. Sure, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Like, for example, Phil Rivers, if you want a world, if you want a Super Bowl ring, I think he'd be viewed very differently. I think they'd be calling him a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, Dan Marino, like, Dan Marino never won one, but he's still considered one of the greatest ever. Right, but a perfect example is Eli Manning. He's a two-time Super Bowl <laughs> champ. Yeah. That guy, if he didn't win those Super Bowls, he wouldn't be touching the Hall of Fame. He'd be considered a bust. Yeah, yeah. but now he's a future Hall of Famer, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so in the NBA, like, it's such a big deal to... You know that puts you on the map. You're considered the respect that comes with it. Um, it just means it's it it means so much to win uh, a championship. And so yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna it's it's these next few years is gonna be legacy making. Yeah, and you know, I did want to talk about uh, the two preseason games that we've seen okay. out of the Lakers so far, and I gotta say, you know, Anthony Davis. He's looking like Anthony Davis. He looks as advertised, <laughs> which is a great sign. Um, so I, you know, brings a, there's no buyer's remorse. Huh? No buyer's remorse whatsoever. <laughs> you know, watching the highlights against the uh, against the Warriors, it's it's you just it's smiling. Surreal. Yeah, you know, nodding your head like, yeah, this is this is what we, you know, this is yeah. what we struggled for. You know, yeah. And uh, I don't know. Do you have thoughts on what you've seen? From the Lakers well the biggest thing for me season so far the biggest thing for me uh is and I was considering putting this on my storylines which is uh does LeBron look like LeBron you yeah, know and and, and he, he does he looks yeah, <laughs> yeah he, which is a huge sigh of relief for me because right, right. look we are going into uncharted territory right now if he were to main if you were to maintain his his like elite level in the next couple years, that is very, very rarefied air. You know? I mean, if anyone can do it, it's going to be it. Yeah. Which, yeah. but even still, uh, Charles Barkley says Father Time is undefeated, and it's true, you know? so It is true, yeah. So that's something I, I'm just, just always keeping an eye on. And what I saw in the preseason was, like you said, he, he looked good. He looked good. He looked good. AD looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen Kuzma yet. Um, Danny Green. We saw his threes. frost. We've seen his frosted tips, though. 
He's had multiple hairstyles throughout the summer. It's, you know, a bit of an experimental phase for he's, him He right got now. his hot girl summer on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny Green, he's making three-pointers. Uh, you know, I think Frank Vogel is still tinkering with the lineup. Yeah. It looks like there's still, like, an open competition for who's going to start up at the one position. Yeah, it just, it better not be Rondo. Who's actually, like, not played bad in the preseason, but, you know. Yeah. We're, we're rooting for... Uh, you know, Alex Crusoe. The bald mamba. The accountant. Avery Bradley. Yeah. Uh, it looks pretty clear to me that JaVale is going to start over Dwight Howard. Yeah. Which, Dwight Howard, which I feel like he looks like he has lost a little bit of. He's lost a step. Athleticism. Yeah. Still can be a very effective player. Which is crazy because, by know? the way, LeBron is like two two years older than that guy. Yeah, but I, I think Dwight, I mean, and you can sympathize. Like, he has like back, back issues, issues. Yeah, that's which, true. You know, Essentially crippling for anybody. especially big man. Yeah, yeah. So it look, yeah, it looks pretty clear to me that Javale is going to be the starting center. Um, but yeah, the team overall looks good. How much weight do you think one can put on preseason performance? Is it not much? <clears throat> I, so if it's like if you're if I ask the question like, is it everything? Is it nothing? Or is it something? I would say that it's something. Well, th- I don't think it's nothing. This is my view of preseason. Basically, is uh, it's only it's it's only worrisome if you don't look good. You know what I'm saying? Right. That that uh, you know, the perfect example is uh, last year. Yeah. Because I felt like it was very evident, even in the preseason, that the Lakers that Lakers team lacked depth at the yeah. five spot. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing is that. If you're struggling from a from a you know player to player standpoint, if you're struggling, that's a bad sign. You know what I mean? If you look okay, I, you just can't read into it because it's preseason, you know. Yeah. But if you look, if you're struggling, especially like you know these young players that are you know that get drafted, if you're struggling in the preseason, it's not a good sign, you know. Well, okay, and. The- like look side, at Kobe for example. He didn't yeah. he he didn't he was world beating in preseason, but he had the dunk on Ben Wallace, right? That yeah, I mean that was dunk. like early in his career, right? I mean that was his rookie year, I think, his preseason. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like you know, you're you you just you need to see enough where you're like, okay, we'll see. We're not there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. If you're having troubles in preseason, it's not a good sign, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and you know, on the flip side, if you look amazing in the preseason then it's kind of like okay we can move on we can move on to the regular season now right yeah that's what i'm saying is that there's nothing there's there's no there's nothing to read into it there's nothing if you look amazing it still doesn't mean i'm talking about anthony davis by the way (laughs) yeah right right i'm saying there's like there's just nothing to see unless a dude's struggling then you're gonna be there's something to to be worried about Yeah. yeah and you know i don't think anybody would be categorized on the Lakers team as as struggling. Yeah, right. Which is a good sign. A good sign. So, Very good sign. It's almost like let's figure out the let's figure out the rotation. Give for, you know use these last couple of preseason games to determine like how to distribute the minutes. <clears throat> yeah, and that's all you need to do now. Sure. Like I don't think we need to see much of LeBron anymore. I don't think we need to see much of Anthony. No, Davis sit anymore. LeBron. Just manage their lows now. You yeah, know? for real. Like yeah. I. 
I don't even want LeBron playing the playing the regular season. I want him to just go straight. No, no, nah, he the needs to play the regular. <laughs> I want him to go straight into the postseason, man. I, I don't think this team me. makes a playoff without LeBron, <laughs> you know, in the regular season. So yeah, yeah. So you know, there's a couple more preseason games left, and then in two weeks, Lakers Clippers opening night. It's it's just getting right into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So that's it's like going to the movies. Not even previews. This is going right into the movie. <laughs> just skip all the trailers and yeah. just go straight to the opening scene. Yeah. yeah. So that's where we are. Um, this was uh, part one of our preview episode. So I think next episode we're going to give our predictions for how we think the season is going to shake out, yep. and also um, you know individual awards. Last you know last year I correctly predicted that Giannis would win MVP. I think you correctly predicted that Luka Doncic would win Rookie of the Year. Okay. So we'll make our predictions again for this upcoming season. It's gonna yep. be a lot harder. I feel like just because it's so much more wide open in the NBA yep. than it's been in recent years. So we'll we'll do that next episode. Um, but yeah, basketball season is right around the corner. Thank God. Obviously, because... you know, there's no more baseball to watch here in LA. Oh my God, man. You know, I've been... So I I moved back to LA after being like a year away back in 2016. Yeah. And I think... I think 2016 was like... what That yeah. was... That was the Dodgers-Astros World Series. Was that 2016? Uh, yeah, it was. It was two years ago. Because have the Dodgers been to the World Series for the last three years? No, last two years. Oh, okay, so that's 2017 then. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, 2017, and then 2018, the Dodgers went to the World Series again. Obviously, yeah, LeBron came was, to the Lakers last year. Yeah, and this was considered the best Dodgers team of the three. Uh, which which year? This year. Oh, this oh, yeah. like record wise. Records right? wise, and also all the analytics, all the the numbers. Really, you yeah. consider this team better than the 2017 team? Yeah. With uh, Brandon Morrow and Kenley Jansen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I the Dodgers should have won that World Series, but this team is still was still better. It was much more well rounded. Yeah, and I, I say all this to say that, you know, I've been back in L.A. for three years now, still waiting for that championship parade because, you know, now that I live in downtown L.A., it's like yeah, I could just man. walk. Hopefully, we will have a Lakers parade Yeah. this upcoming June. Yeah. But, yeah, we've been close, very close to seeing an L.A. parade uh, for the past couple of years in, you know, in baseball. It hurts, man. It hurts. It might I mean... And I'll, I'll, it might have it might have lessened the blow that the Dodgers went out earlier this time. <clears throat> it's true. It's true because the Astros. I mean, I, I fully expect them to win it all. Um, How would you have felt if um, the Astros lost last night? <laughs> oh, it would have felt so. Cause good. Because they would have been well, they would have been eliminated, right? Yeah, it would have felt so good. But then that I mean, I'm saying like in terms of like a missed opportunity for the Dodgers, you know? Oh, I see. No, I. I would have rather had the Astros lose. Oh, really? Yeah, I hate the Still Astros. Still salty. From, I'm so uh... salty about that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to say this, though. Like, two things. First, um, I'm not going to blame Kershaw. The, the, the blame on this is 100% Dave Roberts. And I think it's shown very clearly now that... For, like, even bringing him in. He's, right? Yeah, exactly. He's not equipped to manage this team. And we have won so many games in spite of him. Dave Roberts has mismanaged, in particular, the bullpen, um, which is so crucial in postseason. 
he's mismanaged that bullpen, the team in general, for in the most crucial spots every postseason. And this was probably the most egregious. Is um, he on the hot seat at all? So I think all intents and purposes, I think we've, we're hearing reports that he's going to be I just returning for next yeah, year. I just saw something that he's Yeah, which returning. just kills me. It kills me. But um, it is not Clayton Kershaw's fault. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this about Clayton Kershaw. Because like, he... And, you know, rightfully so. Because, you know, sports is a very... As all things in life... It's you a very results. Yeah. It's a very results driven world we live in. You stand hard for. Clay I do because Kershaw. yeah because here's here's the thing okay is that when you look at when you look at his numbers they don't look good but if you were to analyze what he's done in the postseason like really break it down he's had a lot of misfortune to be honest. I think I think the it doesn't look good is just in comparison to his like pristine regular season well yeah stats, right, right right that too but i'm talking about in particular like his actual starts in the postseason he's actually had some absolute gems you know in the world series his game one against the astros in the world series he was amazing um he had a his relief performance in game seven was, was great really good. so you can't be like this guy's a choker you know he's obviously proven that he's he can step up right and that's and he's had other great games and then he's had games where he's given up huge number of runs, which, by the way, in a lot of those games, you know, back then our team was not as loaded as it is now. So Don Mattingly infamously just rode that guy hard, you know, to the point where Clayton Kershaw's the kind of guy where when he's tiring, when he's tired, the dude just throws meatballs. You know what I mean? Well, he's not a power pitcher. He's not. Yeah. And so in the postseason, you get punished hard on mistakes. Um, so a lot of the runs come late in games when he's tiring and also when his bullpen comes in and they serve up all these pitches. Like Pedro Baez, people don't know, has often been the guy to relieve Kershaw in these late innings. And he just gives up just backbreaking hits that just bring in all the claim Kershaw runs on bases. And the earned runs go to Kershaw. The earned runs go to Kershaw, yeah. yeah. So all all, all this to say is that um, I will still die on the Kershaw Hill. Not to say, oh, this guy is, no, he is clutch. He's obviously, you you can't make the case, right? But for me is that this is a guy who, you can't say that he doesn't want to win. This is a guy who... Desperately wants sure to win. Sure, he's devastated right now. Yeah. yeah, there's a guy who desperately he desperately wants to win. He's a guy who's beloved in the clubhouse. If you see Rich Hill in post game, uh, Kershaw's um, teammate, he was like choking up talking about Kershaw, saying that he's the most respected player in the clubhouse. Um, you know, and so it it's like it just shows the kind of player Kershaw and person he is. This is a guy who builds. Orphanages in Africa in the off season. You know what I'm saying? So like, I mean, but we're not here for that, though. I know that, but what I'm saying is like, you can't separate. For me, I think when you when a guy who's that competitive, when a guy who's that is like, I want to do all that I can for this team, is something to speak of. And it's not just a guy who's like, oh my god, don't put me in. I'm scared of this situation. He's a guy who always is like, I want to go in there and do what I can. You know what I mean? Um. So for me. I can't ever hate on this guy, and it's a it is a such a shitty position to be in because the guy is indefensible when it comes to postseason. You know what I'm saying? 
he's had so many backbreaking losses and just situations where he's killed this team that he gets clowned on by not just our own fan base but other fan bases uh-huh. it's hard to kind of stand stand there for for kershaw you know what i'm saying so yeah that, saying, that that kershaw hill is getting less crowded by the, by the oh year. yeah for sure but at the end of the day all i'm saying is that i root for the guy and i i hope at the end of the day when it's all said and done he can win a ring and he can't just win a ring now he's got to be able to positively contribute to the ring in order to kind of yeah, I mean, dispel those things. I mean, you talk about like, <clears throat> oh, you talked about how like the Rockets windows looks yep. like it's shut, and it's looking like Kershaw's window is closing more and more. It's like maybe well, a crack open now. Yeah, well, we'll see. Point. He uh, he's no longer the number one starter, and maybe that's good. You know, less pressure because Walker Bueller's our absolute ace now. You know, so yeah. we'll see. But I'm most worried about. The fact that this team is being led by an absolute buffoon, an absolute just <laughs> yeah. mental midget, Dave Roberts, who it just just I can go on and on about how he mismanages bullpen. So I mean, the whole Kershaw thing, I think it's I think it's a story because he's so good because like he right. had a chance to become like to put his name up there with like you know Sandy Pedro Kovacs. Pedro Martinez right, right. like yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Nolan Ryan and those guys yeah but I I feel like because of his post-season the warts the yep. warts that he's had in the postseason like he's he's not going to be in that discussion when it's all said and done yeah. anymore yeah maybe in the regular maybe like in terms of like regular season no he's still like he's still a Hall of Famer you know yeah. um but yeah like you said you talk about like you know all-time he had a chance to be yeah in that discussion but it's just you know it's funny because it's there's a different standard for kershaw and it's kind of deservedly so because he's such an historic pitcher yeah but you see a lot of guys like it's so funny how unlucky that guy is like for example max scherzer dominant pitcher right he's had a lot of duds in the postseason too even as early as the wild card game before this dodger uh nats series he gave up three runs like six innings or something like that right yeah what Kershaw did. So you as know? a as a starting pitcher in MLB postseason, like getting rocked in one start, does that change a lot? Like in terms of like a perception of a pitcher. Well, would you say yes or? and no? But I just feel like that that standard is 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 different for Kershaw. Because I because I can remember like Verlander, he got rocked. He got rocked in the, he, in the he, World he, Series. Like, yeah, he did by the Giants. But, but is anyone? But no one's really talking about but, that. Yeah, because he, I mean, he has won a World Series ring now, right? Has he? Well, yeah, with the Astros. With the Astros. But that's what I'm saying yeah. is that, look, it, let's say the Dodgers have won the World Series in 2017, right? The, we totally different discussion. You think now. so? I think people will still, I think people will still be talking about Kershaw and saying he's not a postseason guy. And that's what I mean, that's what I mean is that the standard is different for him. Well, if, if that game seven Kershaw comes in, to relieve uh, you, Darvish, and has that performance, and let's say the Dodgers put up more runs and they win that game, yeah. Then I think the story could have been like Kershaw saved the day, like he righted the ship. Sure, the but then fast forward to today, and he gives up those two home runs, right? Yeah, they would say postseason Kershaw is back. Um, it would be a little bit different, I think, in my opinion, because really? then then you would have seen him come in and deliver. In a successful situation, 
Because right now, it's like, he's never done it. He's never gotten over the hump yet. But that's, that's based. Like story but you're line, saying, you know? but base, that's based on basically team performance, right? Because, yeah, it's based on team performance. Because Kershaw, yeah, yeah, yeah. those scoreless, yeah. So that's why it's. I'm saying that's why it's funny because Verlander just as recently as this last game four, he got rocked on short rest, which Kershaw does quite frequently. He used to do quite frequently. So I'm saying there's a different standard with Kershaw, and now it's snowballed to the effect of like, yeah, he's just got this reputation now, and it's unfortunate because now he's out of his prime. And those chances are going to be far and few between for this guy to, to, to shake that monkey now. Yeah. But, um... I know I know you're very, like... You're very down on Dave Roberts, but you are still very high on Andrew Friedman, though, right? Oh, yeah, and he's a free agent this year, actually. Oh. So he cannot... We what's, cannot... So what's the word with him? Are, are the Dodgers going to... I think they have any, every intent to, to re-upping with him, but uh, I think the Red Sox are eyeing him. Oh really? Did they have a vacancy in the? Yeah, they fired their GM. Oh, so that is. You want to talk about storyline? That's uh, yeah, that's a good one right there. You could be looking at like a the Rob Palinka, Luke Walton of MLB. Oh my god! Potentially, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Good year for the Dodgers, I guess. Not a good year. Another heartbreaking season. <laughs> But it's very typical, and you know, like honestly, it's old hat for me. I it was a devastating loss, but honestly, at the end of the day, I'm not. It's different, you know. Like I expect, I almost expect this out of the Dodgers, you know. Yeah. With the Lakers, it's a different expectation. Yeah, I would, you know, I would say that <clears throat> in terms of the LA sports landscape, you can make a case that the Lakers and Dodgers are equally in equal standing to like. Fan, the level of oh, fandom there are, in LA, right? There's a, such a uh, enormous fan base for the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I, like I'm more of a I'm more of a Lakers fan, but because, I think that's because just because I'm a more of a basketball. Right, fan. right, right. But you're you're I would say would you say that you're equally Dodgers and Lakers? Yeah, like I they, am, yeah. they hold equal standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your sports fandom, yeah, right? Yeah, and I think that's the case for a lot of people here in LA. Yeah. These, I mean, these two teams are just such iconic brands in Los Angeles. And they're woven in the fabric of the city. Yeah, you know? but but you just said it like the level of expectation is like so different. So between different. The two. Like, so different. It's been thirty-one years since the Dodgers have won a World yep. Series, right? So, I'm so sick and tired of seeing the Gibson home run highlight. I'm so sick and tired of it. You know. Yeah. But yeah, the expectation is different. You know, like I, the Lakers losing in the first round. That's like. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna fire? Heads will roll. You know what I mean. Yeah. Are we gonna make trades or whatever? I mean, and you know the Dodgers. It's it's a different it's a different thing. That you know? that Gibson home run is like the equivalent to like the Willis Reed jumper for the New York Knicks. It's like, just, they must be sick of seeing that too. You know, so so sick of it, man. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's always next year, I guess. <laughs> I, the Dodgers have turned into the Cubs. Yeah, I don't know if there's any like free agents out there that are potential signings for the Dodgers that could bolster their roster. At the thing all. is, this team is already stacked. It's just great. It's just. I mean, Justin Turner's not getting any younger either. You yeah. Know? And he's like probably my favorite Dodger right now. Yeah, he's on he's, the team. he's incredible. Uh, but uh, you know, we talk about like teams having windows. Like, there's that's a real thing. I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't think. Uh, the Dodgers have forever to figure this out. Teams can't win forever unless you're the Patriots. 
Yeah, well, and even Brady, like, how many more years is he gonna play? Uh, he you could know? probably play till he's fifty. Dude, yeah, I'm I'm so sick of like, as, you know, I don't even care for football anymore. But yeah, I'm still I'm so sick of seeing the Patriots win every year. Yeah, especially because they're in Boston. You know, there's some obno- yeah, there's such obnoxious fans. No hate to true, any uh, Laker true. fans that are listening from Boston, but you know, dude, if. I mean, if you're a Laker fan in Boston, you are doing the Lord's work. I'll and come to LA and we'll buy you a beer. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> you deserve it. So this is this is our long-winded way of closing this podcast yep. episode out. So uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, next week we will be giving our predictions for this upcoming NBA mm-hmm. season, which is going to be one of the best yep. in recent memory. So with that said, we'll talk to you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to 81 Points. We are a Los Angeles Lakers podcast hosted by me, Chris Lim, and my longtime friend and co-host, Chris Lee. If you like what you heard, please hit subscribe and leave a rating or comment. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can get more episodes of 81 Points on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.